0: Extraordinary Districts in Extraordinary Times, Episode 2. We are taping on April 9th, 2020. Sudden school closures in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic means that educators all around the country have to figure out how to operate in a completely different way with no clear idea of what lies ahead. They don't know if their students will be able to come back by the summer or even in the fall, which is part of what makes these such extraordinary times for all of us. Even educators who have been successful in normal times are scrambling to figure out what is best for their students. So what are they doing? That's what we'll explore in this podcast. From my social distancing home, I will talk with leaders whose schools and districts have been successful in the past. They are thoughtful educators with enormous expertise. In our first episode of this series, I talked with John Daniel, superintendent of Cottonwood Public Schools in rural Oklahoma, which was featured in season two of the Extraordinary Districts podcast. Today I'm talking with Vincent Romano, principal of Malvern High School in Malvern, New York. Malvern is in Nassau County, which is one of the epicenters of the coronavirus outbreak. As of the day we're recording, April 9th, there have been more than 18,000 confirmed cases and 566 people have died. I profiled Malvern High School in my last book, Schools That Succeed, published by Harvard Education Press. Malvern reached a nadir in the late 1990s when the graduation rate was 38% and many families that had a choice, including almost all of its white families, enrolled in private or parochial schools. Academically, Malvern has undergone a huge transformation. I'll just give one piece of data. Last year, 97% of students graduated, 61% with what New York calls an advanced designation. That means that students have successfully completed a college preparatory course of studies. In contrast, in the state of New York, 83% of students graduated last year and only 34% had an advanced designation. A majority of students at Malvern are considered economically disadvantaged. Most are students of color, about half black and one quarter Hispanic. So Malvern is a highly successful school and Vincent Romano has been at Malvern for much of its transition. I'm eager to hear how they are coping with the new realities. Dr. Romano, first of all, I hope you and your family are safe and able to isolate yourselves.
1: Uh, thank you, Karen. We're very fortunate. Everyone is healthy. Everyone is safe. And uh, there's nothing more important than that. Thank you.
0: Uh, you, have, you have several kids, right? I have three they? children. They were 13, 13, 10, and 6. So you go the gamut, right? High we, school, we tried, middle school, and elementary. I have one in each school. <laughs> So are you homeschooling? Uh, well, I'll tell you, we,
1: my wife's done a good job with that. Um, I've been working quite a bit um, from my office here, and uh, we, we do take shifts. But you know, the, you know the adage of how difficult it is to teach your own children. And uh, this is really the good learning experience, uh, but it's been great. It's, it's been fun having the family time, and uh, we've been trying to take advantage of the warm days and getting outside, going on some bike rides and uh, staying physical, but you know, I empathize with many of my parents, um, you know, single parents, some parents who are working, and I can imagine many are healthcare workers. Um, some may be sick and how challenging it must be um, to hold down the schooling, you know, for their children, keep m- keeping up and maintaining the workload and maybe working from home or, or out of the house. So there's certainly a lot of challenges for many families. And that being said, I feel very fortunate. We're in, we're in good shape. Thanks for asking.
0: So. In my visits to Malvern and and in talking to you about Malvern, you've told me many times that one of the keys to Malvern's improvement and success is relationships, but those relationships were reliant on being in the same building at the same time. How do you think about this question now that you're all scattered?
1: Uh, that's a great question because certainly our strength has always been something we've been proud of. Um, we have the most amazing and dedicated, committed teachers and faculty and staff, and uh, certainly I think we're riding this out on our relationships. I would hate to have to start the year this way, uh, but being that we started in March, um, I think we're using our relationships to keep students engaged, um, to keep them working. And I'll tell you, even more than the academic, even more concerning is the you know the social emotional health of our students. And uh, as the as the the pandemic spreads, uh, certainly it's getting closer to home for many of us. And um, you know, I guess that's the one piece. I think we're riding out the benefit of our relationships for sure.
0: So are you, so, well, like physically, how is this working? I know you got a lot of computers out and uh, hotspots and, you know, how did, how did that work that first week after the schools closed? What, what day did the schools close in New York?
1: Uh, We, we closed on March 13th and I'll tell you just real quick, um, we were using our mindful march, okay? Uh, On March 11th, that Wednesday, we were collecting cell phones from students voluntarily as part of a disconnect from the internet, disconnect from phones and kind of be in the present as opposed to being connected to the internet. And uh, within the next three days, we were telling kids connect, 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 connect. Um, So that was was quite a shift in uh, philosophy. (laughs) Um, But certainly things happen really fast. And I have to say, uh, you know, our tech department is second to none, uh, truly outstanding. We've been very advanced in our technology. Um, I listened to your podcast yesterday uh, with uh, Mr. Daniel, and certainly they have some challenges there. I'm fortunate to say we've always been using technology um, and every year using a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more intricate and a little bit more engaging. Um, I'm happy to say that every student um, is issued an iPad uh, probably for the past three or four years. Um, When we realized that there was a good chance we were closing, um, we did set up some professional development days for Monday and Tuesday. I guess that was the, the 16th and 17th of March um, not knowing exactly where we were going and if we were going to come back, uh, but we we used from what went that Thursday and Friday to reach out to students. One is they, they make sure that they had their iPads. Um, it's nice to say everyone has an iPad, but are they all using it? Um, do they all have them? So we were able to use those two days to have kids check in, get their iPads, get them fixed, make sure everyone was connected. And um, so for us, that transition has been has been pretty good. And, and you know, I understand from speaking with my colleagues. And looking at some other schools, you know, it's been a little bit rougher for them. But I'm happy to say, um, our technology has been been fantastic.
0: And where have you gotten the money for all that technology? Is that Title One money, or is it? Well, I'll be honest with you, Karen. I'm, I'm just I just reap the rewards. I'm not
1: involved in getting them. Okay, uh, we have to ask give the a superintendent lot of for those about guys that. who somehow get those. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, have you found? Are, so, so, teachers are checking in with students, they're calling them, they're making sure they're online. Are they, try, are they conducting classes sort of as if normal? How is that working? Are they getting on Zoom or? Well, I think the challenge certainly has, has come this. It's
1: one thing to see kids in class for 45 minutes and to give um, assignments that are collected digitally. Um, we do a lot of OneNote. Um, a lot of the teachers do their assignments on OneNote. They teach from their iPad and it's being, you know, displayed on on, on the whiteboard. And uh, students have their notes right in front of them on their iPad. So there's a lot of that going on. Um, but not to see the students for those 45 minutes. It kind of changes the, dy- the dynamic. So I guess our biggest concern was how are we going to have that engagement? Uh, you know, Edmodo allows them to use discussion boards where they post comments and they can go back and forth and they can do that live. Uh, but it's not the same as what we're doing right now, as is, is being able to be in a room with kids digitally, um, write on a board and share notes. I couldn't imagine, especially trying to teach something like math, um, without actually interacting with students. So um, like I said, our tech department's been amazing. Uh, they reached out, and we're using WebEx. Um, and I think they, they, they kind of helped us out. Uh, the company helped us out with that. But we got accounts for everyone in the district. And the WebEx allows us to do exactly what Zoom does, except it's it's private and and it's not victim to all the, the fraud and and all the stuff that we've heard about most recently. So uh, using the live instruction and again I can allow the, the students to see my screen so I can I can do math problems on a white screen, and it's basically visualized on everyone's iPad. So it's almost as as good as teaching in a class. Students can raise their hands. Um, again, nothing's going to replace that face to face interaction, but. Uh, we use WebEx for my parent meetings, for my student meetings, um, for my faculty meetings. So uh, it's been incredible. It really is. It's, it's a great piece of technology and it's a technology that's selling itself. So a lot of our teachers have opted for the WebEx in addition to a lot of the other platforms that they're using.
0: So, so New York just announced that it is um, not going to administer the regents exams um, for people not in New York the Regents have been around for ever, um, first as college entrance exams and more recently in the last couple decades as graduation requirements. Um, how, how, like, how are you thinking about that? Because uh, I know you, you rely very heavily on the Regents to provide you information and to, how to put this, uh, kind of validate, the success of your students, if that's the right way of putting it?
1: Yeah, this was, um, you know, that, that was the big question going into this. And as you know, you may know, Governor Cuomo kind of closed in two-week segments. And, uh, you know, we're almost, um, you know, four weeks, five, we'll be almost about like eight weeks. One of the things that makes Malvern special, and, and I know, Karen, you've been visited us and you had commented about us on, in your book, um, certainly is not just the 45 minutes in a classroom, but all the additional work we do outside. I mean, we do anywhere from 20 to 40 hours um, of review sessions for our AP exams, for our regents exams, and um, also having that hands-on, you know, um, almost like a parent with their own child. If a student's failing or falling behind, we grab those students and we set up a plan. There's no just kind of slipping through the cracks. This has certainly made it very challenging, but I'll tell you, with the cancellation of the regents, um, it's fair in a way, but it takes off a lot of pressure. Um, it takes off a lot of pressure of our students, and certainly I would be concerned if we did come back mid-May or uh, end of May and they had to take a Regents uh, right off the bat if they're missing that kind of instruction. Um, certainly, I wouldn't think that was fair, and, um, and certainly the challenge would have been we didn't get that additional support outside of the classroom, so that's difficult. Uh, that does come with some concerns. Um, you know, students will get credit in any Regents class that they pass, so if I pass my course, and that could be Algebra one. Uh, Maybe I pass with a 66 and I get Regents credit. Certainly, there's a concern. What happens next year now? We come in in September. And as you know, algebra is kind of the foundation for all of the math. And it's always been a challenge for us, for students, even when they pass the Regents, is that they have enough foundation um, to really do well in the higher level math. So there's certainly some challenges with that. Um, I like the fact that we did have a handful of seniors. Um, who we've had in uh, prep courses, who we've had individual tutoring to make sure that they get their their regents diploma in order to graduate. Um, we've had students, uh, special ed students who qualified for local diplomas, who we've been doing one-on-one instruction, tutoring, um, prep courses to get them to get a regents diploma because we think that's more valuable. Um, so certainly this is, um, there's definitely some pros and cons.
0: So how does it affect the advanced designation? That has been Kind of a real focus of yours to make sure your students, um, as many of your students as possible, are graduating with the advanced d- diploma, so that they can, um, you know, it's it's like a it's like a passport to the SUNY colleges, the CUNY, you know, all the all the all the colleges in New York. Are they going to be able to get that from their classwork or not? Yeah, we've
1: always been very proud of, of the advanced regents diploma, certainly because of what it means. I mean, it means that a student had challenged himself with a higher level math. That's a third year math. Um, three years of, of science that would that would likely include chemistry, earth science um, or physics in addition to living environment. Um, it also means three years of foreign language. And we know how important those things are as predictors of success in college. So it's not just where we're hungry for the advanced regents diploma and that number. But we're, we're proud of what it means. and It means our, our students are better prepared for college when they have the advanced designation. Um, when we're looking at the numbers, listen, there's going to be an asterisk uh, for all the results next year in New York State. Um, so the way it is now, anyone enrolled for the Algebra 2 Regents, um, which is somewhat the gateway uh, to the Advanced Regents Diploma, um, if they're enrolled in the course and they pass, they're going to get um, what they need for their Advanced Regents Diploma. So it looks like, uh, you know, taking a guess, that number would would obviously climb a little bit, but again with an asterisk. Um, we, we were on par, um, again, in the 60% range, um, again, this year. Um, next year, obviously, I think we'll see a bump. Um, although we do have very, very um, high advanced students diploma rates anyway. So um, it will uh, it will not be a hindrance. In fact, it'll probably help more than it will hurt. Where it will hurt, again, as I said before, Karen, is, you know, maybe like a full sense of security. You know, to miss that end of the, the last 12 weeks of school, those 12 weeks, 12 weeks actually it'll be more than that, um, of school, and especially when we ramp it up and we have those prep courses where the kids are really getting the nitty-gritty and really focusing, and, and the test seems to be that real focus toward the end that everyone's driving toward, and um, so that 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 will be missing. But in the end, I think it'll help bump some of the numbers a little bit. If you get a 65 in physics, um, maybe you might not pass the regents, but if you got a 65, you're getting the, you're getting the regents credit this year.
0: Okay, so so that that raises the question though, it's not just about the classwork and the academics, right? So you're well, you mentioned before you have robotics teams, you have uh plays, you have concerts, your students are kind of moving at a hundred miles an hour. Um and now they're at zero. <laughs> like how are they handling it? What are you uh, hearing from yeah. them?
1: It's it's devastating. Um Especially for our seniors, you know, when you look at something like this and and barring all the other things going on, the seniors are being hit the hardest. Uh, You know, you you talk about organized sports. Uh, For some of them, it's the last time they'll have the opportunity to play organized sports and they were very excited about it. Maybe some hoping to have a great year for recruitment in college. Um, So they've lost that. Certainly the prom, um, which is still on the table. I think we have about 11, uh, nine weeks until the prom. Um, graduation is very exciting. again, we're about 11 weeks out from graduation, so we're, we're kind of tippy toeing on that, although we we did have to cancel the senior trip. Um, and then this time, you know we have our every year we have our traditional battle of the grades, um, you know, which was canceled and and that's just you know that's kind of like the kickoff for the seniors and and kind of having some fun and, and really enjoying their 12 years of hard work and um, you know, along with some of our, our our awards dinners, yeah, it's it's a lot, it's a lot Karen. it's very disappointing. And I, I meet with my seniors just yesterday. And um, and my commitment, as well as the commitment of our faculty and staff, is we're going to do everything we can to give them the send-off and the excitement they deserve. You know, obviously, boring, uh, sacrificing anyone's health, certainly we hope to get back, and we hope to have enough time to, to really celebrate our seniors, because they've done just a phenomenal job. And uh, every year, I think we have the, the top-notch seniors, and then the next year, uh, they seem to come through. And, and I'm even more proud and thinking, like, wow, you guys really – top the, the class before and that always seems like a hard thing to do. It's just a great group of kids and I'd like to see us get back to business and uh give them what they deserve.
0: Are you are you getting the college admissions letters are or, or they're getting them and are you able to track that? Yes, we did have a big Ivy League day. Uh, we had students um
1: accepted to Harvard, uh a few went to Cornell, Princeton, um, Vanderbilt. Uh we had some really nice college acceptances this year. Uh, every May first, we have our May Day, which is uh, college decision day, and that's a big celebration we have with our seniors. And they all wear their their college shirts, and we have a big cake and a big celebration. And uh, we're hoping that, although it looks kind of tough to get back by May first, but we're certainly going to have uh, an online event to celebrate the acceptances. You know, th- it's the we've had some like, fun um, celebrating acceptances before school had closed you were trying to make the best of it now, you know, uh, with some of the nice acceptances that have recently come in. Um, You know, the hard part too, is, you know, there's, there's some disappointment in that, you know, and we like to be there for the kids, um, you know, when they they didn't get into the college of their choice. And and sometimes they think that's the end of the world. And, you know, we always remind them that sometimes in these, in these, these times come our our greatest opportunities. So not being there for some of that um, has my, I know my counseling department, you know, a little bit concerned, um, but they've been. My counselor department has been phenomenal, and um, looking for the emotional piece to our kids. So,
0: so they're yeah, in it's touch with to
1: canceling those activities.
0: Right, right. So, uh, the Ed Trust in New York, uh, Ed Trust New York, just released the um, the uh, results of a poll that says that parents and uh, parents in new york are really concerned that their students will fall behind academically and it b- breaks out a bit um by race and class so african american parents latino parents uh, low income parents are even more worried that their students will uh fall behind are you what are you hearing from parents uh, are that
1: they- yeah. rightfully so uh, we know the research um you know the big Big thing from Outliers with uh, Malcolm Gladwell came out with the summer slide. I know we read that book as a team, administrative team. And, uh, you know, you looked at the data for um, the gains that, you know, minority or low-income students made over the course of the academic year were compatible with those of their more affluent, um, you know, better educated parents and so on and so forth during the year. But a precipitous drop over the summer months. And we have a pretty extensive summer program. So we're keeping our fingers crossed I've already, you know, we've already discussed the need for a summer program and a lot of that may be prep. Um, you know, if you wanna take a higher level math, you know, we, we have to get get these kids in here over the summer and we have to get them working. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed and, and you know, budgetary as well as, you know, us getting back to to school sooner than later. But the summer programs is, is gonna be pivotal so we can we can prevent that slide. Um, it's scary for us because, um, you, know, you know, our population, and uh, we know the research, so this summer's gonna be more important than ever before.
0: So how are you spending your day? Like, what's your primary job right now? Is it talking to stu- uh, students, talking to teachers, talking to parents, talking to everybody, talking to the superintendent?
1: That's a, that's a great question. It's, it's almost like I'm at work I, at the end of the day, is what did I actually do today? You wanna to write that down and make sure. Um, so there is a tremendous amount of, of discussion. One is, you know, we meet as an admin council, which is all the administrators uh, in the district. We usually do that once, uh, once a week along with the principals once a week. And, you know, we've had to make some real tough decisions with grading Um, and the bigger decision, even with grading coming up in the fourth quarter, how that's going to be handled. Um, You know, how are we rolling out all of the technology platforms, especially our WebEx, which was new, um, providing teachers with uh, professional development um and then the, the emotional piece. So there's a lot of meetings. Um, you know, I'll give you a for, for example. Um I had a PTA meeting yesterday. Um I try and meet with my PTA, and, and again, that's for all parents, um, once a week. Um, I had a parent who would brought to my attention maybe, maybe more communication. I've opened myself up to office hours, which I have twice a week to parents. I have office hours for teachers, I have office hours for students. Um, next week we'll be setting up uh, you know meetings by grade. for me to have conversations with them. So there's a lot of meetings, a lot of facilitating. Um, We did just get our results in from the third quarter and um, you know, that grading piece was a little bit rough. So we're looking at students. You you want me to tell you what we're doing for the third quarter grading? I imagine you may want to answer that question. I'm sure you did. I think
0: people would be interested. Yeah. Definitely a
1: challenge. And you know, I meet with the Nassau County principals. It's been a great network. Um, some real bright minds. Um, you know, it was tough. I'll tell you, for me, the third quarter is a lot easier than the fourth quarter. And we may get into that if you're interested. But we had six weeks of instruction. You know, we started the third quarter, January 27th, and we closed March 13th. You know, some schools went past fail, but I had a tough time just dismissing six weeks of instruction. And uh, listen, we're in class for six weeks. We worked hard. Our kids worked hard, our parents worked hard, our students worked hard. So, just to sit back and say, Well, we're just going to give you a pass fail, um, I don't think that's fair. You know, there's some inequity to the pass fail. Is, you know, if I work real hard and and the kids are the first ones to see this, uh, Johnny did minimal work and he got a pass, right? So, um, to be fair, we counted those six weeks. Uh, we had about three weeks of, of online instruction. And, and again, you know, online instruction is great, but wow, if you want to talk about inequity and, and concerns with, um, you know the achievement gap and, and and what people what students' families are like. Um, we couldn't allow that to be uh, counted you know the same as those six weeks of instruction. So we did want to compliment those kids who worked well, um, who did all the right things and, and worked hard to get themselves up and running virtually. So those three weeks of work can only be used to help a student's grade. okay? So we have our six weeks of instruction, we get a grade, we had three weeks of virtual learning. We can use that to enhance the grade. Um, And as I explained to the faculty, and they understand this, you know, the last three weeks of any quarter is really crunch time for us. The administrative team, uh, much of what we've been doing for the whole quarter, but we really ramp it up and start grabbing our students um, who have fell behind, um, trying to fish out any problems or concerns, giving them additional support. If they're missing assignments, they're coming after school, they're coming to Saturdays, um, making sure that they get that work. And so we miss that opportunity for those kids to make up that work. Um, So what we're doing now is we're issuing incompletes for any student that failed, okay, using that formula. Um, They have until, I think we said April 29th to make up that work. And what that's going to do is it's going to allow us to have several checkpoints, really checking in with some of our students. And a lot of doing this, the same thing with the attendance is you're fishing out problems. You know, mom's got, you know, COVID, OK, mom's a healthcare care worker or, gee, I didn't get my iPad. I know I was supposed to pick it up, but I didn't get it. And they're not reaching out to anyone, of course. Um, so, you know, our goal is to get everyone through um, being compassionate. You know, compassionate grading is what we called it. And giving our students the opportunity, even if they failed, the opportunity to make up additional work to get through.
0: Well, that that was uh, I think you just displayed why Malvern is such a special place. Um, so thank you so much.
1: Thank you for that. Thank you.
0: <laughs> thank you so much, Dr. Romano. Um, we may circle back at some point in the future to hear how you and Malvern are progressing. I hope that's okay.
1: Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Karen. I've been a big fan of your work, so it's always an honor and a pleasure to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We uh, everybody at EdTrust Trust hopes you and your family and everybody at Malvern stays safe and healthy. Practice all the things Dr. Fauci is telling us. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I want to now introduce my colleague from EdTrust, Dr. Tanji Reed Marshall. Tanji is a longtime English teacher who taught in both New Jersey and North Carolina, and is now EdTrust Director of Practice. Tanji, you know you've been a high school teacher. Tell me what you her, tell me what you think about what Dr. Romano just uh, talked about.
2: First, I will say, "Wow, Dr. Romano, just a fantastic uh, opportunity to be a fly on the wall and learn from you. Point of correction, I did not actually teach in high school. I've worked as a coach across many different levels that were um, including secondary, which included work with high school teachers. I didn't have that pleasure of teaching in high school. but so what I heard was, again, such an interesting story. And I think um, Karen's point, about why Malvern is so successful comes across in such glaring ways. And I think what I learned, which is so important when we talk about bright spots and what's happening, is this idea of compassion. Is this idea that students really want to go to school and learn and work. They understand that school is this place where I go and do stuff, right? Like I go and I learn and I go and I get connected to my adults and my peers and Involved in all kinds of activities and I grow and develop. And so, this idea that we're just going to pass fail them because it's equitable in the minds of students is actually inequitable. So, champion and kudos to you and your staff for really thinking critically about how do we honor the work students are doing while understanding the unique context around which they are actually operating and living right now. And I'm really so excited to hear that, how where they are in the last three weeks is not gonna be a hurt to them, um, but it's going to be an enhancement. And the way in which you are very strategic and intentional about catching students and, and reaching out to families. And wow, the office hours with the parents and the PTA and all of that is just so interesting and important Because everyone's trying to figure out how do we juggle all the balls in the air right now? Right. Right, That's
0: exactly right.
2: You know (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's just so exciting to hear such strategic and intentional Looking at how to manage this very Dynamic process that's been going on
0: You know, there's been this uh, real push Around the country to to talk about best practices, and Tanji, you and I really have resisted that because we don't think we know what best practices are yet. There, there isn't really good research. There's no, we are now in this enormous unplanned experiment, and to for anybody to say, well, here's a best practice, um, go for it. You know, everybody should replicate it. I mean. When Tanja, you and I heard office hours of the principal for teachers, for students, for parents, like we're we're immediately on best practices. But then, if I said that to John Daniel from last time, well, his parents, his teachers don't even have Wi-Fi, so that like that's not <laughs> and they may not even have a cell phone. So like they have to operate in different ways. So there's no one best practice. Um, but everybody has the same challenge. How do you keep connected and right. there are different ways to do that? And there are different ways to solve for that problem. And Malvern has solved for that problem in one way. Um, and everybody has to figure out how to do that. And, but I think what's important about Malvern is, it shows one possibility, one important possibility.
2: And I think what Malvern is showing is the power of context. Right. Um, Smagorinsky, Peter Smagorinsky has an article and he says the it's the context, stupid. Right. And so that's important. You know, everybody has a very different context, which is why you and I constantly bristle when we hear someone say best practices, because it it gives you the impression that you can simply plug and play practices and, and principles from one space into another and it doesn't work that way. The reason why Malvern is able to do what they do, and you know Dr. Romano said it, their tech team, right? They have all the structures, they have the materials, they have the tools to do this. And this is a familiar context for them in terms of all, the amount of technology with which they already Sort of engage in instructional practices, and so they are continuing the use of a structure and system. Whereas for somebody else, like you know, um, Daniel, Dr. Joe Daniel said they would have to train up and ramp up to that. And Dr. Romano's environment, they don't have to do that. They're just moving in it.
0: But That's but what it also shows, and I you know I think um, uh, this is kind of the theme of my entire like last 15 right. years is right. the importance of school and district leadership. That's because, right. Absolutely. Because, I, and really we should go and talk to Malvern's teachers, right? But my uh, impression is that many, many teachers out there in the world are feeling like they have to figure it out on their own right i and would be not, surprised right. if malvern's teachers felt said oh well we have to figure it out on their own what they would say is we're doing something together right we're i figure yeah. it out together i would absolutely um,
2: agree with you in that they know that this is a partnership
0: and that's partnership because is, of right. the leadership mm-hmm. that dr romano and um we haven't really talked about the superintendent but um the superintendent and Dr. Romano provide in providing the structures and the technology. And I also think
2: one of the critical areas that Dr. Romano brought up that he didn't name it, but it's there, it's this idea of the community. This is clearly a very strong community, community whereby everybody is plugged into everybody else and you can't operate successfully in what feels like a very seamless process without a strong community. And so again, kudos to the way in which Melbourne is moving through this process and certainly with challenges, but definitely moving through in a very uh, worthy way of, you know, highlighting bright spots.
0: So, We've decided to have a very rigid format and in terms of time, so I'm going to say that that wraps up this second episode of the Education Trust podcast, Extraordinary Districts in Extraordinary Times. Our aim is to bring you the voices of thoughtful educators grappling with all the questions of equity and excellence that face all educators today please subscribe so you are notified of new episodes. If you think this is valuable, recommend us to your friends and leave a review wherever you get this podcast. And if there's a particular educator you'd like to hear from, let me know who and why. And if you wanna know more about Malvern, I hope you'll read uh, Schools That Succeed by Karen Chenoweth, that's me. Um, And uh, it's published by Harvard Education Press. Uh, it's really a wonderful story of improvement and systems that really support students and teachers. You can email us at extraordinarydistricts at edtrust.org or tweet at edtrust or me at at Karen Chenoweth, K-A-R-I-N-C-H-E-N-O-W-E-T-H or Tangi at at Remarsh76, that's capital R E M A R S H. 76. Mike Patillo records and edits this podcast from Tonal Park. He was able to record our conversation through the magic of Zoom. Thanks to the whole team at EdTrust for helping get this podcast launched. And thank you to the Wallace Foundation for providing financial support. Thanks and see you next time.